It's good to be here this morning. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And commencing to read at verse 4. Revelation chapter 1. And then we're reading uh, from verse 4. Just take your time and uh, get the place. And then whenever we we read these verses together, we'll just bow in a moment of prayer together, please. John, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Down to verse 9, please. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus. And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks one like unto the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girded out about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and hell. And we'll end our reading there this morning. Just bow with me a moment in prayer and ask the Lord to speak to your heart. As we open the word of God together this morning, Father, we just come again uh, into your presence and we just thank thee for the opportunity that we have of opening thy word and ministering to these dear people. And Father, we just cry in the moments that we have that you'll just shut us in with thyself. And Father, that indeed that we'll be conscious of thy presence uh, in the building this morning. And so, Lord, we take authority over every spirit and every demon of hell and every spirit that is contrary to thy Holy Spirit, and we bind it in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that there'll be no interference in this meeting this morning. We pray that there'll be no input from the enemy, that there'll be no distractions or noises, Lord, that will steal our attention from the Word of God. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'll fill us all with thy Spirit, that indeed that you'll come and minister to us. I stand in the great need of thee this morning. 
And asked he that indeed that the oil from heaven that flowed like the oil down Aaron's beard onto his garments, Lord, that indeed would come uh, from the Spirit of God upon us, we pray. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I want to speak to you this morning about a fresh Patmos experience. A fresh Patmos experience. I want to paint a picture for you just as we go through these few verses of the Apostle John, over 90 years of age, gray-haired, battle-worn and battle-scarred saint of God. And he lifts his pen, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he begins to write this book of the Revelation. And this book, it's not a revelation from Jesus Christ. It's not a revelation to him. But these 22 chapters of this book are a revelation of him. This whole book revolves around one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I want you just to look at it like this for a moment as we go by. I want you to think for a moment of John's introduction. Cast your eye there to verse 9. He just said, I, John. I, John. He could have said, I, the apostle, or I, Saint John, or I, Saint John the Divine, as the translators put it at the start of the book. But here he was, this old saint of God, going to relate to the people in Asia and to ourselves the greatest encounter with the risen, exalted Lord Jesus Christ. And he just says, I, John. You know, we live in a day when men love position. We live in a day when men love to be recognized with titles. And here was this old saint of God on the Isle of Patmos, having seen the Savior in all of his majesty. He just said, I, John. I'll tell you this, dear friends, and I have been humbled during the week. Whenever we get into the presence of the Lord himself, we'll all be put in a right place. When we get into the presence of the Savior, I'll tell you we'll have nothing to boast about. It's interesting, you take your Bible and you go home, and you'll find that pride destroyed Satan. You'll remember how he walked in the garden of God. He walked upon the stones of fire, but there was pride entered into his heart, and he was cast out of heaven. I'll tell you another thing that destroyed it's destroyed the king Saul. You'll remember Saul. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. And God said, whenever you were little, I could use you. But you've become too big. I'll go as far as saying this, dear friends. There's men in our land that have a better gift than I have. But they've become too big. Too big for God to use. I would say this to us all this morning. Never get too big. Never get too big. Ah, you'll remember there in Ezekiel, you'll find that it wasn't sodomy that brought Sodom and Gomorrah down. It says, for the pride and the fullness of bread. And the solemn thing about it, every single one of us in this meeting this morning were intoxicated with pride. We like to be better. We like to be head and shoulders above everyone else. And I've been praying 
that if we were all to get a fresh Patmos experience, we would just come like this old saint of God, I, John. Very quickly, not only is there his introduction, you'll find here he talks a little bit in verse 9 about his affliction. His affliction. He said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. That word tribulation there, you get your concordance when you go home. You'll find it's to be distressed, pressed out of measure, and troubled on every side. I wonder if there's somebody like that this morning in the meeting. You know all about affliction. You know what it is to be pressed out of measure, troubled on every side, and under a heavy burden. Of course, John knew all about it, didn't he? Bailed onto a boat and banished onto an island 30 miles out into the Mediterranean, away from his family, away from his friends, and away from his congregation. And the reason for it, he said in the end of verse 9, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I would go as far as saying this, that godly men and women are usually the most afflicted. Let me say that again. Godly men and women are usually the most afflicted. You'll remember the psalmist put it like this in Psalm 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. John Gills put it like this. He said, many are the afflictions and trials that lie in the way for the people of God. I'm sure this morning in this little assembly, there's those, and you know what it is this morning to be afflicted. And you're maybe here and you've been singing the songs of Zion with luster and with joy. And yet down under it all, you would maybe say, I'm pressed out of measure. I can take no more. You know, John, whenever he wrote this book, he knew that he wasn't the only one that was suffering. Because he says in verse 9, he says, I am your companion in tribulation. And you know, I don't know about you this morning, but I could say in my own heart, whenever affliction, trials, and testings come to me, it's so easy to think that you're the only one, you know. John knew he wasn't the only one that was suffering. You see, these seven churches in Asia knew all about suffering, friends, and we can be very sore on them. These seven churches in Asia, they were being used as bait to the lions. They were being battered and bludgeoned to death. Nero was steeping them in oil and using them to light the streets as lanterns. And here the Apostle John knew he wasn't the only one that was suffering. I would say to you this morning, dear saint of God, if you are the way I am at times, thinking you're the only one, take a visit to Craig Alvin Hospital this afternoon. Take a walk through your local doctor's surgery on a Monday morning. Turn on your television any day of the week and you'll see how other believers across the world are suffering. You'll remember Elijah, he sat under the juniper tree one day. And he thought he was the only one. I'll tell you, dear friends, this morning, we're not the only ones that are suffering. He said, I'm your companion 
in tribulations. But then he goes on in verse 9 and he says this. He says, I, John, who am your companion in tribulation and in the kingdom. Oh, I can see the apostle as he sits on the shore of Patmos. And he says to himself, let the storms rise and the gales of affliction blow. But thank God I'm in the kingdom. It's good to be saved this morning. Good to know that your sins are gone and you've got a home in heaven and you've got peace with God. We sing it at times, don't me many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand. But the one who holds tomorrow is the one who holds my hand. Many. Ah, he says, not only am I in the kingdom, he went on and he says, and in the patience of Jesus Christ. And I would stand here this morning and make another public confession to the people of the lifeboat. If there's one thing I need, it's patience. Patience. That word patience there is the word endurance. To endure, you'll remember the writer to the Hebrews said in chapter 12 and verse 1, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and is set down on the right hand of the majesty and high. James put it like this, knowing therefore that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Has your faith been tried this morning? Are you at the end of your tether with hospital appointments, with sickness, with family situations? I can take no more. Here's a word to your heart this morning. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The writer of the Hebrews went on and said in verse chapter 10, he says this, For ye have need of patience. Patience. I like things done straight away when I'm around the house. I tell you, dear friends, there's some of you in this congregation know about it, but you see, over the last few weeks, God has tried my patience. Patience. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You have a need of patience. You see, Patmos was a cold, barren, bleak, and deserted island. I'm sure John would have never picked to be there or chose to be there. But he was there because of the word of God and the testimony that he had. Let me say something to you this morning. Maybe you haven't chose the situation that you're in. Maybe if you had it your way, you wouldn't even be where you are this morning. But God has manipulated your circumstances and situation that where you are, that's where you are this morning. Thank God he can give us patience. I was singing the hymn yesterday morning, Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Not only is there his introduction and there is his affliction, you'll get a little flavor of his adoration there in the end, the beginning of verse 10. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And here's this man, this saint of God, 
banished into the Mediterranean on a bleak, barren, cold, deserted island. He wasn't in a lovely building that we are in this morning. I'm sure you wouldn't have found him in good clothes and in lovely dress the way many of you are here this morning. But there's one thing you would have found him in. And that was in the Spirit of God. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. You maybe asked me this morning, Stephen, what does it mean to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? What does that term or that phraseology mean? Let me give you an, an explanation from an old Puritan. He said it like this, it's to be in a place of unclouded fellowship with God. It's to be in a place of close communion with him. That one would be able to sit on a pew on a Lord's Day morning and sing the hymn, Nothing Between, Lord. Nothing Between. To be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Albert Barnes put it like this, It's a place where the man or woman that's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day is enjoying the things of God. Now, I want to be a wee bit personal this morning. Are you enjoying the things of God? Honestly? Would you be able to rise from your seat this morning and say, Lord, I call heaven and, what, heaven and earth as a witness? There's nothing between, Lord. Nothing between. I wonder, is there a man here this morning and there's something between you and your wife? I wonder, is there a sister here and there's another thing between you and another sister, Mrs. Sam? And you couldn't say from the bottom of your heart, nothing between. Here was John on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's Day. Enjoying the things of God, all hell seemed to be against him. I tell you to see this man on the Isle of Patmos and the devil blowing the gales of doubt and affliction against him. And he was in the spirit on the Lord's Day. You know the Lord's Day is the day whenever the Lord rose from the dead. It was the day when the Spirit of God raised the Lord Jesus from up out of the tomb. You'll find it there in Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'll tell you this morning, dear friends, if you're under trials and under afflictions and you're like this old saint of God and you're in a barren, cold place in your life, think of the Lord's day. I tell you this morning, there's one who ever liveth to make intercession for us. The one that death couldn't hold. Thank God on the third day he rose again and at this very moment he lives in the power of an endless life. And we can face our trials and our troubles and all that may come our way because there's one who is alive at this very moment. You take this first chapter of Revelation and eight times you'll find that John uses that lovely wee word, him, him, him. And here was the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos again. Everything seemed to be going wrong and he was just taken up with him. All about the Lord. He was taken up in worship and adoration for all that the Lord had done for him. John was at the cross, you know. 
He knew what it was to see that marred body of the Savior crowned with thorns, the hair pulled out of his cheeks, the spittle running down his face, the blood flowing from the cross. I tell you, he knew all about it. And yet he said, the one that died for me, thank God he's no longer dead. Thank God that on the third day that he rose again. He's alive this morning. I can see this old saint of God, worship and adoration starts to rise in his heart. He starts to praise God for all that he has done for him. The trials and the situations might be against me. Thank God he would be able to say like the prophet Isaiah, yet God is with us. God is with us. I'll tell you this morning, dear saint of God, pressed down by the devil and the afflictions of the world, get your eyes upon the Savior. Get your eye upon the Son of God, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Where will you find him this morning? Will you find him in a tomb? Definitely not. Will you find him upon a tree? No, no. I tell you where you'll find him. You'll find him far above all principalities and powers. And might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. I tell you, he's at the Father's right hand this morning. I think John got a little flavor of it. And he started to get his eyes off all his problem. And got his eyes upon the Savior. And he was in the Spirit in the Lord's day, enjoying the things of God. Ah, oh, friends, let me say this to you this morning. How many of us are in this meeting in the Spirit? How many? Would you be able to stand on your toes this morning and say, Stephen, I know I'm in this meeting this morning under the Spirit of the living God? Honestly. Is that why we're dry this morning? Is that why we're indifferent and cold towards the things of God? Is that why we have no interest in being in the house of God and singing the songs of Zion? And if I go over five minutes over my time, you'll give off. Out of routine out of formality. Oh, I would pray this morning that we'd all be here in the Spirit, be taken up with the things of God and the joy of heaven, that we'd be able to say like the psalmist, he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. I'll tell you, dear friends, this morning, the hymn writer had it right when she said, the children of the Lord have a right to shout and sing. And our brother mentioned it in his opening prayer that through his blood we have forgiven redemption through his blood, even, even the forgiveness of sins. I tell you this morning, if it wasn't for Calvary and all that the Lord Jesus done there, every single one of us would be on our way to a lost eternity. If it wasn't for the Son of God who became our sacrifice, our substitute on Calvary, every single one of us would have our place reserved in hell. Yet he loved us and gave himself for us. I tell you this morning, dear friends, if we get a glimpse of him, if we get into the presence of the Lord and bow and worship and adoration and be taken up with him and him alone, will never be the same. Ah, I wonder this morning how many of us are there. I wonder how many of us are there. Ah, if I'm looking down on you this morning, there's not many of us are there. Sure, there's not. Not many of us are there. 
And the world can dance and sing and enjoy their drink and their drugs. They can enjoy their immorality. And here we are this morning. Dry. Dry. Lost the joy. Lost the thrill of coming into the presence of God. Lost the adoration for him. God help us if we ever lose it for him. God help us if we ever lose it. I haven't got time this morning to go into all that we're touching. Time has beaten me. I'll maybe finish it off tonight. But there's some things that can happen on the Lord's day. The first thing that happened to John on the Lord's day is that he heard a voice. And I can say this to you this morning in the moments that we have closed. We'll finish it off tonight. It would be lovely if you were to hear the voice of the Savior in this meeting tonight, this morning. To hear his voice. Look there for a wee moment at verse 10. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice. It's a great voice to hear, you know. It's a great voice when you get up in the morning and get into the closet and away from the things of the world and you hear his voice. Just his voice. Not the world's voice. Not the devil's voice. Not your spouse's voice. His voice. Friends, let me ask you a question again. Have you heard his voice today? When was the last time you heard his voice? Oh, you could preach and you could do door to door. You could do open airs. You could do missions and meetings. All without hearing his voice. His voice is on like any other voice. The voice of the Savior. I tell you, dear friends, this morning, the cry of my heart over this meeting would be that you would hear his voice. His voice. That word voice there, the great voice, it's the word a clear voice. Clear. I tell you, friends, whenever God speaks, he speaks clearly. He speaks clearly. And I wonder this morning how many of us are there where we know his voice. We know when we're going down the street and the Spirit would say to us, go and witness to that man. When we're talking about someone in a conversation, the Spirit of God would convict us and say, stop talking, stop gossiping. When you're putting the television on and the Spirit of God comes and says, turn it over. I wonder, are we in tune with his voice? I tell you, Patmos was a bad experience for John, but there's one thing he didn't lose. He didn't lose that intimacy with the voice of God. The voice. You'll remember John the Baptist when he came preaching and they said to him, what are you? Are you a prophet? Are you the Messiah? No, he said, I'm none of those things. They said, what are you? He says, I'm a voice. A voice. Would to God that he'll raise up a voice again in our land. Would to God that he'll raise up a voice again in our assemblies and in our homes. A voice. The voice. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 20. John's Gospel, chapter 20. And verse 1. We'll just go through these quickly and then our meeting is over. 
John's Gospel, chapter 20, and verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, that's the Lord's day. This is the day that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. It's the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day that you and I are in this building this morning. Marking the resurrection day. On the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. You'll remember how the disciples, John and Peter, they ran. And the angels were there. And Peter and John, they ran away and left Mary. Verse 11, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. Here's a woman in despair. She's at the end of her tether, weeping. Look at verse 14. And when she had thus said unto she turned herself back and she saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said, Sir, if thou have borne him thence, tell me where thou hast led him and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Just one word. Can I say to a mother or a woman in this meeting this morning, and you're just like Mary, on this Lord's Day morning, and you know all about weeping. You know what it is to stand alone and weep. I'll tell you, you can hear the Savior's voice. What would he say? Just one word. Mary. Mary. Are you in despair this morning? It's maybe not a sermon that you need. Just one word from the Savior. Pat. Elizabeth. Amanda. To hear his voice. Speaking on the first day of the week. One word. Just your name. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? His voice is on like on the other voice. Not only will he speak to those that are in despair... He'll speak to them that are dismayed. Cast your eye on down quickly to verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, people that are in fear. And came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace. Beyond to you. I wonder this morning as there are those in this meeting and you're afraid of this week. And you're afraid of the appointments and you're afraid of the operations and you're afraid of the news. And the Lord would come into the midst on the first day of the week. Thank God he's a word for your heart this morning. You know what he'll say? Peace beyond you. Peace. Do you hear his voices? 
Oh, you maybe have know all about sleepless nights. Peace beyond you. You've maybe been praying about the health. Peace beyond you. On the first day of the week. Another person you'll speak to. Cast your eye over there to verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall put my hand into the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust, him into his, thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, that's the Jewish counting, it was on the first day of the week, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believe. I'll tell you, on the first day of the week, God can speak to people like Mary that are in despair. He can speak on the first day of the week like to the disciples that were dismayed. He can speak to people like Thomas that were doubting. Doubting. And here's Thomas standing in the midst on the first day of the week. And suddenly the Savior came. I can see him looking into the eyes of Thomas. Oh, he says, take thy hand, take thy finger, and behold my hands, reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believe. Someone on here this morning and you're in doubt? Doubt has gripped your heart. And you wonder if this whole God thing's really real. You wonder, did he really die for me? Is it just a story or is it real? Here's a word to your heart from the Savior himself on the first day of the week. Be, be, be not doubtful, but believe. Believe. Believe what? Believe that he died for you and that on the third day he rose again. And believe this morning, whatever circumstance, situation, or trial you find yourself in this morning, God's still bigger than it all. He's still on the throne. And no demon of hell or the devil himself will never take him from the throne. God is still on the throne. He will remember his own. Hallelujah. So he can speak on the first day of the week to those that are in despair, those that are dismayed, those that are doubting. What about those that were discouraged? You discouraged this morning? Praying for years and it's getting worse. Praying for the family and it's getting worse. Fasting and praying. Tell me all about it. And there doesn't seem to be anything happening. You remember the two that were on the road to Emmaus. He knew what it was to be discouraged. You remember what happened on the first day of the week? It says the Lord himself drew near. He said, what communications are these that ye be so sad? 
downcast, discouraged, and defeated. You know what the Lord did? He opened the Scriptures and began to expound unto them, beginning in Moses, all the Scriptures concerning himself. You know what they said? Did not our hearts burn within us while he walked with us on the way, on the first day of the week? Then, in closing, there was the last man, and we were reading about him this morning, John, on Patmos. And the first day of the week. If you're in this meeting this morning, and you're like Mary in despair, he's something to say to you. May just be one word. May just be your name. If you're in this meeting, and you're like the disciples, and you're dismayed, and you're in fear this morning, Something to say to you. Peace be on to you. You're in this meeting this morning and you're like Thomas, doubting, just ready to give it. Be not faithless, but believe. Keep holding on. Ah, you're maybe like John on the Isle of Patmos. In a situation that you wouldn't have chose this morning. You're in a trial that you wouldn't have chose. But you're here. The Lord has you there. You know what the Lord said to John on the first day of the week? He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Those two words are the first, two letter, first letter and the last letter of the alphabet. The Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning, he says, and I'm the end. I'll tell you something else he is. He's everything in between. John's and Patmos. On the first day of the week, there's a voice. A voice. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. This is what he's saying. John, you see the trial you're in this morning, he says. I'm bigger than that trial. You see that situation you find yourself in, John? Far bigger than that, you know. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I'm everything that you need, John. I'm everything that you need. I'm going to pray and then our meeting's over. But let me ask you one question. Have you heard his voice? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a great voice. I would feel that there's those in this meeting this morning and it's been a long time since you've heard his voice. Long time. It's been a long time since you've got down on your knees with the book and heard his voice. Let us pray. We're not going to sing anymore. We're just still our hearts before the Lord. Thank you for your attention. We'll finish off where we were this morning tonight. Father, we just bow again in thy presence.
Father, we just pray for those in our gathering this morning that are like Mary, who are just at the end of their tether. We pray that you'll have a word in season for them. We pray for those that are like Thomas, Lord, that are doubting and wondering what it's all about. We pray, Lord, that you'll come in your own gracious and tender way that you'll speak, Lord, into their hearts. We pray for those that are like John on the Isle of Patmos. They find themselves this morning, Lord, at the end of the month of February on a Sunday morning. Lord, in a situation that they wouldn't have chosen, a trial, Lord, that they would just love to avoid. The cry of our heart would be that they would hear the Savior's voice. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. We pray for those that must go and those of us that gather around this table to remember thy son and to be taken up with worship and adoration for all that he has done for us. We pray that again that we'll hear his voice and worship him for all that he has done. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Lord bless you.